We will now turn our attention to the reading of God's Word as well as to the proclaiming the great gospel from God's Word. This morning we'll be reading perhaps one of the most famous passages on the resurrection in all the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 21. I encourage you to read the entire chapter, which is a chapter on the resurrection. We're just taking a small snippet of this chapter. But I want to I um, acknowledge that the, the reality of a Easter Sunday is that oftentimes there are people in church on Easter morning that do not believe the resurrection. And I'm not going to, today, I'm not going to put together this um, long, lengthy message on showing you the proof that the resurrection is you know, real. We believe the resurrection is real, that it happened. We believe what the Apostle Creed says, that Jesus Christ was, erected, resur was resurrected on the third day. But here's the question to those of you that do not believe that the resurrection happened. Here's a simple, simple question or simple, simple statement. You want to believe the resurrection is real. If you do not believe the resurrection is real, trust me, you want to believe the resurrection is real. Because the resurrection is real, we proclaim, it changes everything. But certainly, the resurrection would change everything for you too if you believed it. And if you do not believe it, I want to encourage you to study it and to, to consider the, the claims that the church has made for the resurrection. And you too might come to the conclusion that indeed it is real and it is true. That is my encouragement to you who do not believe the resurrection. But to the church that does believe the resurrection, it is important for us to consider God's word, how it leads us and guides us. And that is what we're going to do this morning with regards to the resurrection. So if you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 21. And let me read this with you. You can also follow along in your bulletin. We have the word printed there. Paul says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Let me give you a perspective, my perspective of being a pastor of this church for the past few years. Never, never have I encountered in the church a person who says, I do not believe the resurrection. That there's no valid claim. Like I, I have not encountered a Christian in this church that does not believe the resurrection. But when we come to 1 Corinthians 15, the first thing Paul says to the church in Corinth is this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? 
I've never encountered this particular passage in my life. Now, I want you to know that this church in Corinth was dealing with some Greek thought, some influences of the culture. Those influences are not necessarily prevalent today, but there are other influences that are prevalent today which we can take advice from this text. And here's, the, here's what it is, and this is the theme of today's sermon. You believe the resurrection in your mind, but when you live your life, it shows that you do not believe the resurrection. We give assent to our mind, but when we walk and the way we live and the way we act, we, we actually communicate that we do not believe the resurrection. I'll say this. The resurrection affects everything. It's what forms our life. This is why we celebrate the resurrection each and every Sunday. Our week is formed around it. Everything is formed around it. It's not just one time a year. Our life revolves around the resurrection. The resurrection has significant influence for our life. And this is what Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 15. What I want to show you is three different ways in which the resurrection affects how we live. Because I do encounter ways that people don't believe it. And Lord willing, the three ways that Paul kind of points the church into this are three ways that we can be encouraged, once again, to not only just believe the resurrection, but to be people of the resurrection. So three ways in which the resurrection affects the way we live our life. I've got three things for you. We are freed by the resurrection. We are comforted by the resurrection. And we are motivated by the resurrection so let's study these three realities that Paul teaches the church who struggled to believe the resurrection, that we would be people of the resurrection. The first way that the resurrection affects our lives is that we are freed by the resurrection. Consider Paul's statement in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Now Paul's giving a negative implication of not believing the resurrection. But let's put a positive spin on, the, on this statement. If Christ is raised, your faith is meaningful and your sins are forgiven. This is a very simple reality. Because of the resurrection, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven because of the resurrection. But how often do you go about your day wondering, are my sins forgiven? One of my spiritual forefathers in the faith is a, is a pastor who goes on the radio oftentimes. It's a national radio broadcast, and people will write into him different questions about theology and practice. And one of the most common questions that he gets all the time is the question of the unforgivable sin. Is there a sin that you can commit that God would never, ever, ever forget? Now, there's certainly a case to be made that there's something about the unforgivable sin, because Jesus talks about the unforgivable sin in his ministry. And so this, this um, radio pastor, if you will, is interacting with these people, and he describes it theologically, and he explains what it means, and I'm not going to go into that, but here's where he ends up with it. He says, the mere fact that you are asking the question in fear that you might have committed the unforgivable sin shows me that you have not committed the unforgivable sin, and you need to lean into the reality that you are forgiven. Look. Every single one of us in this room has committed an act this week for which you want to bury your head in the sand in shame. 
That's the reality of every single one of you. You know that, including me. This is why we confess our sins. But it would be a shame to keep our head in the ground as if we have to clean ourselves up. Because the resurrection, we know that when Christ proclaims forgiveness over those who look to him, you have forgiveness. And you are freed from the penalty of your sin. The resurrection shows us that we are freed from the penalty of our sin. Friends, we have to lean into this because our our world doesn't want to lean into this. We want to think of ourselves as, as happy and lovely and always doing good and right. But compared to a holy God, we don't do what is right. And so there's this reality that we have to realize that Hey, that shame that we experience when we commit those sins, that's probably a good thing. You realize that. The bury your head in the sand is a meaningful and significant thing. And that's okay. The world wants to tell you, oh, you're, you're okay. You're okay. But this is the reality of, of, of Christ and his death on the cross, is that his death on the cross is the very payment for the penalty of our sins, so that when we look at the cross and we see the resurrection, we know, indeed, we are forgiven of our sins. The resurrection frees us from the penalty of sin. So church, live that way. Be willing to confess your sins because your sin doesn't define you. Christ defines you. Confess with confidence in our service. Confess with confidence your sin each and every day, because those who confess your sins to God, to the one who is resurrected, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. You are freed from the penalty of sin. Oh, that you would live in light of that forgiveness. Do not wallow in your sin. You are forgiven. You see, the resurrection frees us from the penalty of sin, but it also, secondly, affects how we live our life by comforting us. The resurrection comforts us. We are comforted by the resurrection. Consider verse 18. Look at what Paul says in verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now I realize I read that out of context, but if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Those who have died as believers in Jesus, they are no longer. But what's the positive kind of portrayal of this. If Christ has risen, those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, they are actually alive now with Christ himself. Each and every one of us, with the exception of maybe a few little children in this room, little ones, like Jim. Jim has not quite experienced death at this point. But each and every one of us has experienced the pain of losing a loved one, a grandmother, a parent, a sibling, a friend. And the pain of that particular moment can be crippling. I mean, it can be like, I can't even get up in the morning. My life seems to have no existence, no reason for existence. And this is a hard reality. And I think this happens for a lot of Christians, and understandably so. But here's the reality of the resurrection for us Christians is that the death is just the beginning of the rest of our life. The resurrection shows us that death is ultimately defeated. And though we might lose our loved ones, 
especially those in Christ, though we lose them, this is not the end of our relationship with those we love. Two weeks ago, uh, a church in our denomination experienced a horrific occasion, and the pastor lost his daughter. And I thought to myself, what would it be like if I lost my daughter? And it hit home. And so on Monday and Tuesday of that week, thinking about that, it was hard. But here's where I went in my mind. Can I, could I proclaim the resurrection? And can I proclaim it? Could, could I continue to proclaim it without my little girl? I could. Because that little girl is not perished. She is with Christ. Why? Because he's resurrected. And it's the same for us. And do you see what this does for us? That even in the face of death, we can have comfort. The resurrection enables us to move in to our grief and sorrow with comfort. I am not saying to you, don't grieve. No, grieve. Death has a sting, and it's terrible. But we do not grieve without hope. And because we have the hope that those who are in Christ will be with us again, oh, we have great comfort. Church, we must grieve. But we grieve in the comfort that indeed death is not the end. Because it's not. He's been resurrected. You see, it affects how we live. The resurrection affects how we live. It reminds us that indeed we are freed from the penalty of sin. It reminds us that we have comfort in the face of death. But lastly, the resurrection affects how we live because it motivates how we live in this life. Look with me at verse 19. Paul says this to the people. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. Again, once again, we have to go that he's, he's going negative here. He's going like, if you don't believe this, then all, all we have is this life and, and it's over. And Paul has said that in, in another place, he says, you know, if, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, eat, drink, and be merry. For today you live, tomorrow you die. But he goes even further in verse 19 and saying, not only just like, what a waste of a life we have if Christ hasn't been resurrected. He would look at you and be like, you're wasting your Sunday if Christ has not been resurrected and being here, you're wasting it. But what's the positive nature of it? If Christ has risen, then we are not wasting ourselves. Christ has risen. And so not only do we have today, and we can have great hope in today, and not only are we not to be pitied in today, but we are to be, we are to be amazed at today, but we have hope for eternity. Our world Here's the thing about our world, and this is what I mean by how the resurrection motivates us into the world. Our world only does live for today. It tries to avoid death as much as possible because it doesn't want to think about eternity. But we as Christians, because Christ is risen from the grave, we do look eternally. We say, oh, Christ is risen from the grave. He has ascended to the right hand of God, and there is time outside of time. Like th There is our existence will continue to go on. And so what does it do? It motivates us to live in this time in light of eternity. We are motivated to live today in light of eternity. So Christians, this is what it means, that every action that we do needs to be light not only today, but of eternity. 
So that in building this church and, and continuing to worship together and to minister together and to care for each other, we are actually having not only a temporal right now impact, we are actually making an eternal impact. And we are motivated to live our life in light of eternity. As Christians, because of the resurrection, we live in light of eternity. And so we bring eternity into the present. So how do we bring eternity into the present? How do we allow our work today, our, our, our every waking step, to be lived in light of the t- eternity? Just a few ways for you to, to think about. We spend time teaching our children the faith. We bring eternity into their minds and their hearts that they might be captivated and in awe of our great and resurrected Savior. We spend time caring for those in our city that they might know that there is a God who cares for them and who has made a, a, a way for them to be saved. We take the gospels, the resurrection message, to all the nations, and so we zealously work to bring the gospel to all nations. And that might mean you work your job so that you might contribute to Brett Rail in Japan and other missionaries all around the world. You work your job whether it be at McDonald's or at a law firm, with eternity in mind. There's so many different ways. I could literally go on, just live a Christian life. That's essentially what I'm asking you to do. Obey the Lord. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The resurrection motivates us to do these things because we live now in light of the eternity. (laughs) Friends, if there's no resurrection then what's the point of of all that we're doing even here? Eat, drink, and be merry. But because we have the resurrection, we are motivated to move into the now in light of eternity. The resurrection indeed affects our lives. It frees us from the fear of the penalty of sin, and we can live today with our heads out of the sand. The resurrection comforts us even in the face of death. And the resurrection motivates us to live this life in the light of eternity. Friends, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us live in light of this reality. Let me pray. Our gracious Lord, we give thanks to you for the the resurrection. Oh, what a glorious gift this is to us. For indeed, in this gift, we are reminded that your cross was not for naught. It was significant that on the cross, the penalty for sin was paid for. That death in the resurrection was defeated. And that the life we live has great meaning and significance. Oh, may we be a people of the resurrection, O Lord. May it be the very thing that motivates us and moves us into a dying world. For it is this dying world that needs the light and the hope of your resurrection. Amen.